Welcome to Grace, everybody. It's good to have you here this weekend. Hey, there's some folks coming in still. And so if you have a seat near you, uh, raise your hand. If you're single and looking for a date, raise both hands. And uh, right up here in the middle. And so... <laughs> we <laughs> But come on in. It's good to have you guys here. <laughs> so now we know. Right? Um, so uh, it's good to have you guys here. This is, uh, it's great to be together. And this is a great reminder to let you know the extension work is going on great. And so pretty soon in a few weeks, uh, the extension building will be repaired and we'll be able to to uh, break out over our two locations again. It's also a great time to let you know about Saturday night where all the hot single men come. And uh, <laughs> you can come to those two services. There's usually seats in those. We'd love to love to have you there as well. Okay, so welcome. Welcome everybody watching online. And the single people attend services So on Saturday night. So just come on in offline if you want. And we would uh, love you guys to connect. But thanks for being with us. We're starting a new series this weekend called What to Do when I don't know what to do. And we're looking and saying, how do, how do I bring God into my decision making? Uh, how do I kind of make sure that I'm synced up with God or at a minimum, he's kind of like on my team if I'm making a decision? And how do I go about that process? And we're not really, we're not talking about everyday decisions like lunch and, you know, what to wear, stuff like that. We're talking about life-altering decisions. Uh, you know, what college am I going to go to? What career am I going to go after? Who should I marry? What Should I buy this house? Should I take that transfer? Uh, should we relocate? Should I get this new job? Those kind of things. The decisions that are going to affect our life, and they're going to affect the lives of people that we love, you know, our friends and our family. And, and we would look at, you know, it's kind of people who want to be kind and things like that, we would look and say, man, I, I realize that this decision is a big deal for me and it's a big deal for the people around me. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to make a big mistake. I don't want to mess my life up. And I, I kind of want God on my team. How do I know? What do I do when I don't know what to, to do? And it's fascinating as you, as you kind of look at this. I asked Siri about this, but it, it, there, there's certain levels in our life where we will involve God. I, I Googled and found that over 90% of people, when they're faced with a big decision, pray in North America. Isn't that fascinating? That there, there's a sense that there are certain decisions in our life that they just kind of get above our pay grade a little bit, above our head. And even if you're not a Christ follower or that spiritual necessarily, you still like want a higher power on your team. You, you want to know that like at a minimum, I'm not setting myself up against God. At a maximum, we would say that I'm walking with God and allowing him to define and direct my life. And so it's a really common question. What do I do when I don't know what to do? And actually looking for God and inviting him into that process is a very common response. And by the way, I would say that that pleases God right? That pleases God. He is always available to us. He loves us. He wants to define and direct everyone's life, and he wants to be invited into a deeper relationship with everybody. So there's a lot of good that comes from that. 
And then there's this deep, deep level where we would say as a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who has put my life under his leadership, now I, I really want to know. I really want to please God and walk with God and invite him into every aspect of my life, especially these big decisions. Now, in the church world, if you grew up in church, oftentimes we call this uh, understanding the will of God right? So maybe you read a book or did a workbook back in the 90s, and you would look and say, you might say it in a churchy way, you might say, I want to know, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I, how do I know that God's on my team? And I would say to you, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I'm going to, in a few minutes, I'm going to get to a place where I can, I'm going to tell you like how to start that process. If we are followers of Jesus already, we're going to ask that question, well, how do I do that? How do I get down deep in the details of my life, right? So this is, this is I'm following God. God, what do you want me to do in my unique circumstances, in my unique life, and, and for the good works that you prepared in advance for me to do? How do I know your will, and how do I follow you. Okay, so we're going to take a few weeks and unpack that and dig out a little bit. Now, before we get into the details of this, we have to start with at a high level. And that's what I'm going to do with you this weekend is we're going to start at a very high level. And, and I need to get you kind of in the right ballpark, right? So we need to make sure we're kind of in the right paradigm. And, and the question is, how do I position myself relationally so that when I'm asking these detailed questions, God can interact with me individually, right? So this weekend's kind of like a, a big 30,000 foot level uh, of this, and then we'll get into the details, okay? So if we were having this conversation, if you came into my office and sat down with me and said, hey, Pastor Jeff, how do I find the will of God in my life? What do I do when I don't know what to do? I would say, let, let's start by defining what the, the, the will of God is a little bit and how we interact with it, okay? So this is the, the kind of the first piece that I want you to know. When, when I'm looking for the will of God, when I'm looking for the mind of God, when I'm trying to understand what God wants me to do, this is a big paradigm shift. It's really, really important, so it lands us in the right place. I would say this, that, that the mind of God is not a code to be deciphered. The mind of God is a relationship to be delved into. The mind of God is not a code to be deciphered. The mind of God is a relationship to be delved into. So to know the will of God, you, you don't have to have a, like a PhD in Bible stuff. Uh, you, you don't have to speak Greek and read Hebrew and all that kind of stuff. It, it's, not, it's not this code that if I can get into the Bible and find these 10 magic verses that will always tell me what to do, right? Or I get into the Bible and I totally misinterpret this Old Testament story, it'll tell me what to do. That, that's, that's dangerous. Put your Bible down and walk away for a minute, right? So that, that's not what it means to, to find the will of God. To find the will of God or to understand the mind of God, it's not a code, it's a relationship. And as I delve into the relationship, I'll understand the, the mind of God, okay? So an example, a relationship on earth that is to always mirror our relationship with God is our marriage, okay? So I'm married to Heidi, and I've known Heidi, we've, we've been connected as a couple for 26 years, we've been married for 24 years, and I would say to you that I know the mind of Heidi. Why do I know Heidi's mind? 
it's not because I read books on Heidi, right? I didn't go and study all the Heidis in the world. The one book on Heidi, she's a blonde Swiss girl running through the mountains with her grandpa. It, it doesn't apply well to my Brazilian wife, right? It just didn't work well. And so I'm like, okay, it's not because I studied up on Heidi. It's not because I listened to Heidi podcast. I, I found out what everybody else thinks about Heidi and what their relationship is with Heidi, right? It's not because I got all, what do you think about Heidi? I heard she's crazy. Okay, that's good to know. What did you hear about Heidi? I heard she can rip your spine out and kill you with it. I'm like, that's good to know too, right? So it's not because I got this different, it's not because I went to Heidi seminars. There are four types of Heidis. There is a Swiss Heidi. There is a Brazilian Heidi. There is a, it's not, it's not because I went to Heidi seminars. How do I know the mind? of Heidi, I know her. I delved into a relationship with her deeply over time. We interlocked our lives with each other. So I know what Heidi's thinking because I know her, right? It's, a, it's not a code that I unlocked to understand all the people named Heidi. It's a person that I love and intertwine my life with and live with and walk with and have understood on deeper and deeper levels. I know her. I know what Heidi means. Every husband will relate to this. You guys ever been out with friends and you say something, you get the look, huh? You get the look and you just get that look. And you know what that look means. That look means you're going to get a debrief in the car on the way home. That's what that look means. Like, we all know that look, right? How do I, when Heidi gives me that look, I know exactly what I did that she's displeased with. And I know exactly what the debrief is going to be when we get in the car. I know her mind because I know her. I know her mind because I know the people that she loves. I know her children. I know her friends, right? I know the people that she loves. So, so when Heidi and I are trying to, you know, raise our kids and something happens, I know what she would want me to do as a parent in a given situation because I know her. She's not a code. She's not even a mystery. It's a relationship. And she knows me that way too, right? It's a relationship that you delve into. So on a high, high level, that's a very important clarifier when it comes to knowing the mind of God or understanding the will of God. That I'm not looking to unlock some secret that only pastors can unlock. I'm looking to know a God that has invited me into this deep relationship. So what that means is this. The will of God, what, is, what do I do when I don't know what to do? The will of God is not a what question, it's a who question. The will of God is not a what question, it's a who question. Rarely in the Bible does God say specifically to you what to do. If you don't know what to do, you can't look up like Leviticus chapter 7, verse 32, and it says, Bill, go ahead and take the promotion. Like the Bible's not ever going to work that way. So the Bible rarely tells us what to do in those details. What the Bible tells us in detail is who to be. And the question is, who does God want me to become? Who does he want me to be? And who I become or who I am will position me to know the mind of God because I will inter intertwine my life with him. So Jesus, thankfully, is super duper clear about who he wants me to become. 
There's no ambiguity about that in the Bible. We can, we can look and like, boom, instantly, instantly know that. In fact, uh, let me take you to this passage. We talk about this passage all the time at Grace Church because it's so foundational to, to what it means to, to know and walk with Christ. Okay, so uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Super, if you come here all the time, you know this passage inside and out, right? So a guy comes to Jesus and he asks him a what question? Guy comes to Jesus and says, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And what he's saying is, Jesus, what am I supposed to do? It's a what question. Jesus answers him with a who question. So Jesus looks at him, he says, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And later on in the book of Mark, he adds the word strength. The guy comes and says, what am I supposed to do? Jesus almost bats it away. He doesn't say, you know, uh, go to church on Saturday instead of Sunday. He doesn't say only eat unleavened bread. He, he doesn't say don't eat pork, right? That's what the guy's asking him. What am I supposed to do? He answers him with a who question. Uh, let me tell you, what, when you don't know what to do, let me tell you who to become. Become a person who radically loves me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Be a person who loves me with all of your heart, all of your affection. You, I wanna love you with everything that I am. That's a relational issue, right? I love Heidi with all of my heart. She gets all of my affection, right? I love Heidi, I, this is gonna be hard on some of you. I love Heidi more than I love you right? I love my kids. This is going to be really hard on some of you. I love my kids more than I love your kids. All of my heart is drawn into that relationship, right? That's what Jesus said. Love me with all of your heart. Love me with all of your soul. All of you, I am to be the soul object of your worship. Who, who am I? I'm a worshiper of Jesus Christ. Who do you believe is God? I believe Jesus Christ is God. Who have you staked your eternal salvation on? I've staked my eternal salvation on Jesus Christ. All of my soul, more than other, another God, more than myself, when I idolize myself, I love Jesus with all of my soul, all of my mind. Jesus, I want, I want to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I want to think about what Jesus thinks about. I want to be motivated by what Jesus is motivated by. I, I, I want to invest my mind, my strength, my ability into knowing and understanding Christ. And then my strength. I want to take the best of me, everything I have, my physical strength, my time, my money, my talents, my ability, they all are for Christ. I do that with Heidi. Heidi gets all of the money. She gets all of the time. When I'm making a decision and I think about, should I spend this? I think, what would Heidi want me to do? Well, I know what she would want. I should probably not come home with a Ferrari, right? So it's all, it's, it's, re, it's a relational. I'm, it's not, these aren't things that I do. This is who I am. I am a person who loves Christ. I am a person who worships Christ. I am a person who, who, who wants to be shaped by Christ. I am a person who gives all of my strength to Christ. What do I do? Jesus said, eh, this is who you should become. And not only should you become that, that's the first commandment, the second's like it. You should also love your neighbor as yourself. If you, if you want to know me, you have to love who I love, right? You can't love me and hate my children. If, if you want to know me, you have, to, you have to love who I love, 
right? So Jesus said, you, you, you know me and then love who I love. And then he goes on, he says this, he says, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the what should I do hangs on who should I become. Everything, if you love me and you love who I love, you'll know how to act in that situation. If you love me and you love what I love, you'll know what obedience means in, in college. You'll know what obedience means at work. You'll know what obedience means at home because you, you want to love me and you want to love who I love. This is who you are and who you are as you draw close to me, that will allow you to understand my mind and that will determine the, these details of what, of what you're supposed to do. Okay? So on a big level, the will of God, the mind of God is not a code, it's a relationship. And it's not a what question, it's a who question. Who, who am I called to be? Who does Christ want me to be? I'm a person who radically loves Jesus. I want to be a person who radically loves my neighbor. That, that is the qualifier for everything else that's going to happen in my life in every direction I'm going to go. Now, what Jesus does, and this is where I want to kind of camp a little bit today, is he takes this idea and he explains it on a little bit of a deeper level using a metaphor. And so I want to show you this. Go in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. And uh, it's page 752 in those Bibles. By the way, if you don't have a, a, a copy of the Bible and you want one or a newer one, just take that with you and write your name in it and start writing notes in it. Just keep it, right? So uh, use that, or you can use the app if you want. Everything will be on the app as well. So John chapter 15, page 752, Jesus uses this metaphor of a vine and branches, and he answers these who questions. And what I want to show you is this. We're going to build a little bit of a grid. We're going to ask some questions. And as I process through this grid, it's going to land me relationally where God can tell me what to do. Okay? So once I am who God has called me to be, then I'll land relationally so God can tell me what he wants me to do, and it's how I figure out what to do when I don't know what to do. Okay, so John chapter 15, look at verse 1, let's, let's read it, and then we'll go and, and pull it apart a little bit. Jesus says this, I'm the vine. This is all Jesus talking. So Jesus is saying about himself, I'm the vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. The you is Christ followers. So Jesus, I'm the vine. You, you're the branches, and you are already clean, okay? So you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you cannot do anything. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father I have made known to you. And Jesus is kind of playing out in a metaphor here using a teaching tool, kind of what it means to, 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 to delve into this relationship and to be a radical lover of God and a radical lover of the people that God loves. Okay, so if I am trying to weigh a question, what, what do I do when I don't know what to do? I'm going to look and I'm going to start pe- peeling that off. Number one, am I running to a relationship and, instead of trying to find a code? right? I have, some people will say, I'm going to open the Bible and the first thing it says, that's what I'm going to do, right? Well, that's great. It better not say something like go outside the camp, you know, and be circumcised or something like that, right? The, the Bible says some weird things, so I wouldn't be working on that one if I was you, right? So what, what do I do when I don't know what to do? For I run to God, right? I don't look for some magic thing. I run to God It's not a what question, it's a who question. Who am I, right? Now, how does this play out in my relationship, the vine and the branches metaphor? So this is the first question I would ask as I was going through this. I would ask this question. Am I remaining in Christ? That's the first question I would ask. If I'm trying to make this decision, the first question I would ask is, am I remaining in Christ? Or Jesus would say, are you remaining in me? Okay, and this is verse four of chapter 15. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can it bear fruit unless it remains in me. So when I'm trying to make a decision, am I remaining in Christ? What does it mean to remain in Christ? Maybe the best way to explain it is this. Remaining in Christ and Christ remaining in you is simply you and Christ weaving your lives together. It's you and Christ weaving your lives together. I want to walk with God is like a Christian way that we would say it like in in the church world. I I want to journey with Jesus. I want to obey God. I want to remain by by, uh, constricting my life into obedience with God. I want to remain in God's love. I want to love Christ and allow Christ to love me. I want to remain in God's mission. I want to love people as I have been loved. I want to know Christ. I want to walk with Christ. I want to understand Christ. I I want to think on the things he thinks about. I want to love the ways he loves. I want to do the things he did. I want to be connected in a deep, deep way to Jesus. I want to remain in him, right? And I want my life to be defined and directed by the, the weaving of that relationship. Now I'm trying to make a decision, right? So, so I'm looking, saying, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Hey, hey God, hey Jesus, should I marry this girl? Should I marry this girl? God, should I marry that guy over there? Well, the first question I would say, I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do. I, if you came and asked me that question, hey Jeff, should I marry that girl? I would ask you a remaining question. 
I wouldn't ask you an emotional question. Do you love her? Right, because everybody loves the person they marry until like the next week, right? So do you love her? Are you attracted to her, right? Pretty much you're attracted to whoever's attracted to you, right? I mean, that's kind of the worst. So are you attracted? I would ask you a remaining question. Well, um, are you sleeping together? What? Are you sleeping together? Well, yeah. Well, I wouldn't marry her then. Not yet. Well, why not? Because your relationship isn't built off of Christ. See, I remain in you when you obey what I command. So Christ isn't in the fabric of that relationship because you're ignoring one of the, one of the easiest commands to understand that sexual activity is, is defined for marriage and for nothing else. So if you're sleeping together and you think you have a Christ-centered relationship, you're nuts. You're, you're not remaining well, I love her. Actually, you don't. Oh, I do. No, you don't. Because the Bible defines love in 1 Corinthians 13, and it says it's patient and never leads to evil. So loving someone is never introducing immorality into their life. See, I would ask you a remaining question. We shouldn't even be talking about like when to schedule the wedding. We're not even on the I want to walk with this person in Christ level of the conversation. So it answered the question. Should I marry her? Well, not yet. I mean, we need to go back and work on the very core foundations of this relationship because you're not walking with Christ. You're not obeying Christ. You're not expressing Christ's love. You're not loving your, your, your neighbor. She's your neighbor. You're not loving her in a radical way. You're not connected to Jesus, and Jesus isn't connected to this relationship in a deep way. And if you knew his heart, well, his mind's pretty clear on that one. See how that works? So the first question I'm going to ask, well, should I do this? Well, wait a minute. Well, are you remaining? Is Christ the focal point of life in general? And then is Christ the focal point of this expression? So let's ask that question. Then we'll kind of go from there. See how that works? Right? I want to be a radical follower of Jesus. I want to love Christ. I want to love the people he loves. That's the ballpark. I'm looking for a relationship, not a code. Am I remaining? Am I even walking with God? Now, the second question I might ask is this one. If I was trying to figure out the will of God, I might say this. Am I following the lead of the vine? Am I following the lead of the vine? So go back to the passage, verse 4. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Verse 5 I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says there's a relationship between you and me. We're remaining, we're, you're walking with me, our lives are intertwined, you and me. You love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love your neighbors yourself, so we're, we're linked up here. Right? Are you walking with me? Are you remaining me? And then uh, let's remember, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And so I would ask the question, am I following the lead of the vine? Th think of it this way. I, I want you to try to get in your mind an image of a vine with branches on it. Okay? So a, a great vine, or maybe you live in the jungle and swing from tree to tree in a loincloth. Like, so a vine. But just try to get a vine in your mind with branches on it, Okay? In the vine and the branch relationship, which one of those things determines the forward progress? 
the vine or the branch? It's the vine. The vine determines where it's going to go. The branch is just riding the vine. The vine determines where it's going to move. The vine sets the forward progress. The vine sets the direction. The branch doesn't do that. The vine does it. The branch draws life from the vine and bears fruit from the vine, but the branch doesn't determine where the vine's going. The vine determines where the branch is going. If I'm asking a question, what should I do? I would look and I'd say, well, where is the vine leading me? I, I want to follow the vine. What does God want me to do? What direction? How, I'm going to discern that. So I might look and say, um, does God, does, should I take that transfer down there to get that other job? Should, should, I, should I do that or not? Let, let's pray about it. Well, I would start asking vine questions because God's going to lead you in certain ways, right? So I would look and say, what, are, are you remaining in Christ? Yeah, Jeff, I, I, I love Jesus. I, I want to serve Jesus. I just don't know if God's leading me to take that job or not. Okay, well, let's start and go and think about the things Christ would think about. What's the very first thing Christ is going to think about? He's going to think about your neighbors. So my first neighbor, if you're married, your first neighbor is your wife or your husband. And so should I take that job? I'm going to look at you and say, well, has the vine said anything to your spouse? Well, she hates the thought. She doesn't want to leave. All her family's here and she's caring for her mom. I'm like, well, am I, am I going to love my my spouse, because maybe that's a sign from the vine, right? Your second neighbor, if you have children, if you're married to be your spouse, if you have children, the second kind of level of neighbor will be your children. So is this decision going to help or hurt your kids spiritually? You, right now, you're, it's bearing much fruit. My kids, they love Jesus. They learned the Bible. We've never been so involved in a church. It's the transformation in our family. I think I'm going to go uproot them all and go make more money with better weather. Well, how, is, would the vine ask you to do something that uprooted your children from the vine? Is that, I don't know if the vine would lead that. I mean, let's think that through a little bit. The third set of relationships that, that the vine might look, if, if you're single, especially if you don't have children, then the, the primary neighbor in your life is actually your spiritual family. That's the church. So I'm going to leave all my accountability and all my discipleship relationships and all the way that God has invested. I'm just going to go there because I want to change. Wait a minute. I mean... Is that a place that the vine would lead you? Is that something the vine would have you do? What's the vine, where's the vine going? Let's find the vine. Let's not find the branch. Let's find the vine. See, I remember years ago, uh, a couple came into my office. They said, hey, Jeff, I got this. I'm, I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I got this huge job opportunity out of state. And, we're, you know, we're trying to decide. We don't know what to do. So, you know, we're coming and asking you, can you <laughs> solve our life for us? And I always, if you ask me that, I always say, I don't make your decisions for you because I don't have to live your life and I don't want to be held responsible for them, right? And so I'm like, yeah, I don't know either. So we talked about it. Are you remaining? Yeah, we love Jesus and they did. We're looking. We don't know. We just don't know if God is leading us or not. And so, well, let's pray about that. Let's see what the Bible says, right? And so they did and I did with them, dear friends. And they came back to me a few weeks later and they said, we decided to stay. 
and I was shocked. I'm like, really? You had a ticket out of Akron and you stayed? I'm, I'm shocked, right? And so they're like, yeah, we decided to stay. I said, okay, why? And they said, because we believe so deeply in what God is doing at Grace Church. And we believe that building the kingdom of God is going to be most effective and efficient at this time in our life right here. I said, I said, I said that's, that's an amazingly mature decision. Imagine that, that I don't move to a job, I move to a church. Sounds like something the vine would come up with. Imagine that, that it, if I was going to move, the first thing I would look for is not a house, I would look for a spiritual community and make sure that there was one. If I have to, if I have to transplant my family, because that happens, it's not like a sin, but if I had to transplant my family, the first thing I'm going to do, before I find the house in the school district, I'm going to find the, the spiritual family that we're going to graft into. Incredibly mature decision. And, and what they, in that particular case, that they looked and said, I feel like the vine just has us right here. We're branches, we're just riding the vine, we're staying. That works. So I'm going to ask the question, am I even connected with Jesus? Am I remaining? Is, is he in the fabric of all that I am doing? And then where is he leading? Not, not what opportunities or what do I want. Where is he leading? And I'm going to see where the vine's going. Now, here's the third question I would ask in this process. I would ask this. Will this decision help me accomplish the master's business? Will this decision help me accomplish the master's business. On down a little bit, uh, in verse 11, chapter 15, Jesus says, I've told you this so that my joy may be, be in you and that your joy may, may be complete. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you my friends for everything that I have learned from my Father I've made known to you. It's fascinating. Jesus looks to Christ's followers, and he, he looks and says, listen, our relationship has changed. You're not just my servants. I don't really want you to like click in the church, do your time, get out, click in the church, put five bucks in the plate, get out. Like I'm not looking for you to be religious. Our relationship has changed. You're not my servants, you're my friends. And you're my friends because you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. By the way, I love you that way too. And you love what I love, your people. And by the way, that's what I love too. And I reveal this to you, that is the master's business, the kingdom of God, the work of the spiritual church of Jesus Christ. That, that's the master's business. Everything I know about the master's business, you know about the master's business, and we're friends, so we're living to do the master's business, right? Like the master's business is the driving force of your life, right? So what should I do when I don't know what to do? Well, are you walking with God? Yeah. Are you looking for the vine? I am looking for the vine. I feel like maybe he's leading this direction. That's great. Is this decision going to enhance or inhibit the master's business? 
should I buy that house? I don't know, buy whatever house you want. There is no biblical square footage in the Bible. You can have a small, if you want to overpay for a tiny house that's on wheels, go for it, right? If you want to, if you want to pay for a, a McMansion, get a McMansion. Who cares? Square footage is not a big deal. It's the wrong question. It's not a what, it's a who. I'm a person who is defined by Christ and the master's business is my business. Should I buy that house? Well, can you afford it? I can. Can you afford it and still tithe? Because obedience, like that's a remaining thing. Well, can you afford it, tithe, and still live as a generous person? Because, because that's what the vine, the vine always leads you to generosity. It never leads you to selfishness. Well, I mean, if we take every nickel we make and I get some more hours and a part-time job, we can afford the payment. Should I buy the house? It, it doesn't seem like it's enhancing the master's business. Seems like maybe it's hindering the master's business. Should I, we found this house and we love it, but it's like four and a half hours away, but we're going to commute to grace. We're going to right? Well, it doesn't, it seems like location is hindering the master's business, not enhancing the master's business. Should I take this promotion? I mean, I actually believe Christians should excel in the workplace. We should do all things as unto the Lord and do our best in all things. So you do that, you're probably going to get promoted. Should I take this promotion? Well, what's it mean? Well, it means I have to travel like nine days a week, and, 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 but all the money I'm going to make, and I'm, I'm going to give more money to the church after I, you know, work in the payment for the McMansion that I bought. And, and, and so that's what I'm going to do. And I, I might look at you and say, well, wait a minute, is, is as a father, as a mother, is the primary business of the master in your life to make money? Or is the primary business of the master in your life to disciple your children? So if you take that promotion, I mean, go for the promotion, right, if you want. But is it going to enhance your ability to disciple your children or inhibit it? And the, your answer's probably in there. Because the master's business is clear, and I can't hardly do it anymore because I'm gone all the time. Well, because of who you are, you might have just answered the what you should do, right? So I want to work that grid a little bit. I'm going to get in that ballpark. It's not a code. It's a relationship. It's not a what. It's a who. Who love Jesus, heart, soul, mind, strength, neighbor as yourself. And then how does that work out? Well, like, a, like the vine and the branch. The branch is, is totally integrated into the vine. In fact, it draws all life and fruitfulness from the vine. So am I remaining? Am I integrated? Where's the vine taking me? Because the branch is just along for the ride with the vine. And then is the master's business the outcome? That's the idea of fruitfulness. Is it the outcome? Am, am I becoming more fruitful because of this decision or less fruitful because of this decision, right? Now, in all this, guys, here, here's my biggest fear when we talk about, you know, what to do when I don't know what to do, finding the will of God. Here's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is not that you can't understand it. It's not that big of a deal. We need to show you some things in Scripture and maybe disciple a little bit, but it's not some mystery that only pastors can understand. 
Plus, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Colossians says you have the mind of Christ, so you can ever understand everything because the Holy Spirit will translate it for you. So, so I'm, I totally believe that, that with a few conversations, you can decipher from the Scripture what the will of God would be. That's not my big fear. My big fear is this. Most people, Jeff included, are not looking for the will of God. Most people are looking for God to bless the will of Jeff. The way that most of us live is this. Hey, God, I've already decided to do something. If you could bless that, that'd be fantastic, right? I already bought the house. If you could get me a raise, that would be terrific. I already decided that my life is going to be defined by my career, so I'm taking the promotions. If you could somehow, like, mysteriously, like, make my wife and my kids not go crazy, that would be terrific. God, I've decided to marry her. I already decided to do that. If you could change her, right, just ch make her somebody different than I married, because God loves that prayer. And so, like... <laughs> So, so the, prob the problem is not that you can't, I, I can see the will of God, you can't, you have to come and hear me. That's not the problem. We, we can just, a few conversations, you're good to go. The problem is this, we, we are not usually looking for the will of God, we're usually looking for the will of Jeff, and I want God to bless what I already decided to do. And this, that's why this is a who issue, not a what issue. Am I a person who is totally surrendered to Christ? Am I a person who wants to be defined and directed by Christ in every way? Is that who I am? What to do? If you are who God has called you to be, you will be, be positioned relationally. You're so close to Christ that you will know what to do. I know what to do with Heidi. I know her mind because I know her. Right? So it's about who. Now, that surrendering process, remember I told you if you're not a Christ follower yet, I'll, I'll tell you how to start this whole, whole, whole gig. That process starts with salvation. So if you're not a Christ follower yet, what the Bible would say super duper clear is what God's will for you is, is that you would know him and love him and allow him to know you and love you. That's where it starts. So that process is going to start by me looking and saying, you know what, God, I, I agree with you. I agree that, that I do bad things on purpose. I'm a sinner. God, I agree that I need a Savior. I, I, I'm not just, I'm never going to be perfect. That means I need a Savior. And I agree that you are the only source of salvation, the only God. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. So I, 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 I buy into all that. Would you forgive me? Would you save me, take my sins away? And I, I will put my life under your leadership. I want to be grafted into the vine. Because out here, you're... you're you're not, a, you're not a branch until salvation. So the fruitfulness, the vine leading you, the master's business, that only applies to those who are branches. And the Bible says when we accept Christ, we're adopted by Christ, we're, we're grafted in. We become a part of the vine, okay? So God's will for you is like for every human being. 
super duper clear right there. It starts with salvation. Now, that process then continues with our surrender. So after I'm a Christ follower, I am constantly saying, God, what would you have me to do? I want to remain in you. Where are you going? What's the business that you did for me? And you know what surrender is? Surrender is a very simple process. A surrender is this. All surrender to God is is this. It's a predetermined yes. God, the answer is always yes. Go ahead and ask the question. The answer is always yes. I want to remain in you. I want to obey you, love you, love who you love. Yes. Go ahead and ask the question. Yes, as the vine moves, the answer is yes. Uh, I guess we'll figure out where the vine's going. That's what surrender is. It's a predetermined yes. I'm, I'm in, I'm always in. You define me, you direct me. And when I live a, a surrendered life, life, God, take me, I surrender. I, take me, shape me, use me, mold me. I'm yours. The answer is yes. Go ahead and take me where you want me to take me. That's what a surrendered life looks like. And a surrendered life creates an intimate relationship. An intimate relationship is how you know someone's mind, right? If Heidi and I are at war all the time because I don't want to give her my life, my money, my time, who are you? You're just the wife, right? I'm never going to know her heart. I'm never going to know her mind. But if it's a predetermined yes... I love you, it's our dreams, it's our resources, it's our family. You know, sometimes I'm gonna give to you so you chase yours dreams, you're gonna give to me so I chase mine, they're ours. Then it creates an intimate love relationship and then I know her mind, see how that works? Okay, I don't know what to do now. Let me, let me give you an example of how this works in our life. It, what happens is we always want the end of this process and we don't, we don't like the, the middle of it, okay? So I'll I give you an example of something that happened in my life one time. So years and years ago, I was a youth pastor or to junior high and high school kids, loved it. In fact, I'm going to youth conference this week. It's my favorite week because I love teenagers. I would rather hang out with them than most of you. They're fun and they dance and they clap. It's an amazing thing, they clap. So, right, so I, I love teenagers. I think they're just a blast to be with. And that's way back when Heidi and I were in youth ministry. So when I was in youth ministry, God bless that youth ministry in a big way. And at the time, we had the largest youth ministry in the country in our network of churches. So I was a big deal in that world. And, and I taught youth ministry to several colleges and was a big deal. And I liked that. It's always fun to be a big deal. And so I liked that. Had a lot of success and felt like I understood youth ministry, right? Felt competent in that world. When the opportunity came to start the church, our church, I looked at that and said, I don't know. I had a lot of fear because I had a lot of security over here because I knew what I was doing and I was a big deal and everybody likes to be a big deal. So I go over here, I don't know what I'm doing. It's this whole like wilderness desert thing. Over 90% of church plants fail. So I, I knew like going into that, like the odds are against us. What we were trying to do was weird and different back in the day. And I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. And I don't want to, don't, don't know what I'm doing. The people are kind of cantankerous that I'm supposed to work with. And like, I just don't, I just don't know if I, if I want to do it. So Heidi and I have this invitation and we're torn. We don't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? 
So we're torn. So, so we went to relationship. Hey, Christ, Jesus, we want to walk with you. I don't want to be rebellious. I'm not trying to be rebellious. I just don't know what to do. I mean, this is a, we pull out of here, we blow these kids' lives up. It's a big deal. It's not something you take lightly. So I'm like, eh, I don't know, right? And I'm not, we're not trying to rebel. So are you remaining? Yeah, we're remaining. Like we're obedient and we love and we're actually trying to love people and just not sure how to do it, right? Where's the vine leading? I don't know. Because it, Jesus, the vine would lead to loving teenagers and the vine would lead to starting a church. I'm not sure. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to get off the vine. I don't know where the vines go. I'm not sure what to do right? And then it, it, it's the master's business. That one I knew for sure. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I am called the full-time ministry. I know that. I can't, right now, I can't do anything else with my life. I have to do that or I'm going to be out, out of sync with God. So master's business, got it. I know I'm so, but you can pastor teenagers, you can pastor adults, people are people. What do you do, right? So I'm relationally, hiding our relationally where we need to be. We're up close to God and we're looking for details, Show me what to do, God. You show me what we're in, just don't know what to do. Went to California to teach youth ministry. And as a part of teaching youth ministry, we were visiting model ministries, looking at churches, seeing what the guys were doing, getting ideas from them. And one night on a Thursday night, I took my little group of guys and we went to this church called Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. And we went there on a Thursday night because there was a Bible study with like 2,000 people in it. And it was supposed to be taught by this really famous pastor named Greg Laurie. And so we were all excited to see Greg Laurie. Well, we get there, Greg Laurie's sick, and you get the fill-in guy, right? You're like, oh man, the fill-in guy. But this is in like 1998, so you're already there, you're in the front row, and nobody has a smartphone yet, so you have to listen to the fill-in guy. You can't even ignore him and be on like Snapchat the whole time. So like you're there and you're stuck with the filling guy. So I'm there. My mind's wandering a little bit. I'm praying. I'm thinking. I know this decision because we had a little bit of a deadline on us. So I know this decision is waiting for me back in Akron while I'm in California. The guy opens up God's word. And you're going to learn in, the, in this little series, like the first place we go when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what to do is we go to God's word. Because God most clearly speaks to us through his word. So the guy opens up the Bible and he starts to teach us from the Bible. And he teaches us this, this idea that when God calls you for something familiar, he might take you into a wilderness that's unfamiliar and unsafe where you don't have survival skills, but he's never going to leave you there. He's going to take you on to the promised land, to the things that, he, he, that, that he's prepared in advance for you to do. I tuned up. I was like, huh. I got to leave something familiar to go to something I don't know anything about. And you're telling me that that's the process God uses to lead people. You just have to step out on faith, go to the wilderness, but you'll always wind up where God wants you to wind up. God's word said something to me, right? Then the guy says, after he teaches, he goes, pray and spend some time with God. All right. So I prayed. And you're going to find that when you're, when you don't know, you're trying to figure out what to do when you don't know what to do, you're looking for God's will, prayer's a big deal. So I started praying. 
And I was like, Lord, I've been praying about this. We've already sought wise counsel. You're going to find that that's a part of this too. You seek wise counsel. Well, that had already kind of happened for us. And so we're seeking wise counsel. I'm praying. And while I'm praying, I didn't have a vision from God. He did not speak to me in an audible voice. He didn't show up in my hotel room that night. If any of that happens, you call me immediately. I'm real curious to see how that works. As I'm praying, God gives me a peace that the part of the Bible that was taught that night was taught for my benefit. Like God was like speaking to me and the unique circumstances that I was facing as I was in the relationship with him I was supposed to be in. And in a peace, in a, I don't know how else to describe it, but, but like a confidence, all of a sudden, Fear turned into certainty, confusion turned into clarity because I had to leave something that was comfortable and go into the wilderness like they did in the Bible. And that, that like applied to me. And as I heard God's word, got wise counsel and prayed, I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit, which is a Bible term that we're going to explain to you in this, this series. I was led by the Holy Spirit to a conclusion. Again, nothing weird, nothing freaky. I didn't have to send in a hundred bucks to find out what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do, right? A peaceful confidence that Jeff and Heidi, what I want you to do is leave the youth ministry and go back to Akron and start Grace Church. I knew what to do because I knew who I was and whose I was. Through the word, wise counsel, prayer, and the leading of the Holy Spirit, we had the answer what we were doing. Now, there's a couple thousand people in that room. Nobody else walked out of there and said, I gotta go to Akron, Ohio and start a church. No, I, we, I was it, right? God gave me an answer, right? He let, I found God's will for me. It's not even necessarily God's will for you. It's just God's will for me. But I knew with certainty, I wasn't trying to rebel against God. I want to remain with God. I want to do the master's business. He doesn't know what to do. And the Lord led us through that process. When I start with who, not what, I will, I will draw up close to the Lord. In my family, when I don't know what to do, the first person I go to is Heidi. See, I run to her heart, and then we'll work out the details from there. In my life, I don't know what to do, I'm gonna run to the heart of Christ. And I discover Christ's mind through Christ's heart. And that he will interact with us on as much of an individual level as he needs to interact with us through kind of these certain parameters that we're going to teach you about. He will land you where you need to be, okay? Now, none of this means you can't get a bigger house. None of this means, you can get a tiny house. If you want to have a house on a utility trailer, you go for it, right? You can do that. None of this means you don't take a job promotion. None of this means you never relocate your family. That's not what this means at all. In fact, you asking God for what you want actually mirrors 
the way Jesus functioned with his father. I love this passage. It's very, very important. Look at this on the screen. Jesus says this. In, in, Matthew, or in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he goes to the cross. And look what he says. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. That's huge. You know what Jesus just said? He's like, Father, if there's any other way to do this besides me being crucified, I would be in on that. I, I want something, Father. I don't want to be crucified. I have a, a desire, Father, and the desire is, like, I would like to not be crucified. If you're willing, I want something, Father. And then the second, this is huge. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you're willing, God, there's a college I want to go to. They, they have the major that I want, and I love their sports team, and, I, and it's out of the winter weather. I want to go there. If you're willing, God, I'd like to go to that college, but what I want is what you want. I want, I want to remain in you. I want, I want you, to, you're the vine, I'm the branch, you lead. I want to do your business. Father, if you're willing, we, we'd like that house, you know, that have a few kids, a little bit more square footage would be a blessing. We like the school district. If, if you're willing, God, we'd like to do that, but not my, and, and we're, we can afford it, and we can still be faithful with our finances and our time, and, and, but not our will, but yours be done. See, Father, if you're willing, I like to marry that girl. If you could somehow work in her mind in a supernatural way so she learns my name, that'd be true, right? If you're, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be single. If you're willing, I like to meet somebody. Lord, I, I like to have kids. I, I, if you're willing, I like to have a family. Lord, if you're willing, I like to, but not my will, but yours be done. See, that's the prayer. It, it's not that it's some sin to go do something. It's not the what, it's the who. And the prayer is just like Jesus' prayer. Lord, this is what I want, and it's within all the parameters, remaining, the vine, the master's business, so it all lines up. This is what I want. But what I want more than anything is what you want. Not my will, but yours be done. And we take this big, this is, this is the big picture part. Take this big picture, it will line us up with the heart of God, and then he will, he will shake out the details, and we'll, we're going to show you in the next few weeks how to pursue those things with him, okay? All right. Let's do this. Why don't, why don't we spend a, a couple minutes in prayer, okay? We're already settled in, right? The kids are cared for. It, let's, let's, it's hard for us to chill, so we're already chilled. Even online, you're already chilled, so let's be chilled for a few minutes, okay? And let's spend some time with God and maybe pray that prayer. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe you're facing a decision, right? And you, and you need help with it. Maybe you're not remaining, Maybe there's a sin. Maybe there's sin in your life you need to confess and flesh out of your life to even start this process. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior yet. You need to start there, right? You might have fears. You might have uncertainties. You, you may need to rework a relationship. It, you know I don't, right? We all have our own lives. But let's go to our Lord, draw close to Him. The Bible says when we draw close to Him, He draws close to us. 
and ask him to show us his will, right? And then we are people who will follow that, okay? So let's, let's pray for a few minutes. Jesus, we love you. And these still moments press into our hearts in individual ways. Show us your mind through your heart, God. And, and, and Lord, let us draw close to you. If we need to know you as Savior, let us call out to you right now. God, if we need to confess sin, if we need to overcome a fear, if we need, whatever it is, press into our hearts, help us to, to sync our lives up with you, and then, Lord, to listen to your, your gentle whisper, your quiet leading. We know who you want us to be. Where do you want us to go? Lord, and not, not our will, but yours be done. Work in our hearts in those deep ways, even now, Jesus.